For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. In the name of Jesus, brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a little bit late to be doing this, I suppose. <clears throat> but if I can take Jesus' parable of the laborers in the vineyard from last Sunday and turn that into a sermon for a groundbreaking, then clearly I'm not following any of the accepted rules of preaching. So it's a little late to be doing this. But I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to ask at this juncture, at this late stage of the game... Why does Jesus teach in parables? It's a little late to be asking that question since we started hearing Jesus' parables back in July, and it's now October, back in chapter 13 of Matthew's Gospel, and today we're in chapter 21. It's a little late in the game to be pondering the very existence of these little stories Jesus tells after months of hearing the parables of the sower and the weeds and the hidden treasure and the pearl of great value and the net and the lost sheep and the unforgiving servant and the laborers in the vineyard. It's pretty late to be asking to take up such an existential question as why are there parables? But it's better late than never, I guess, because there's still something for me to learn here, something for us to learn about Jesus' use of parables generally and specifically, the one he tells today, which is now number nine since July. So first of all this morning, why does Jesus teach in parables? Why does he use these little stories? What even is a parable? Well, I suppose one thing that's fairly clear is that a parable is a story Jesus would tell from time to time as a teaching tool. A parable is a story Jesus would tell from time to time that was designed to communicate some truth about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the reign of God in the world. Jesus' parables usually were meant to address the question, how does God work? How does his kingdom operate? What does it look like when God comes into this, his world, to reestablish his reign through his son, Jesus? And because that's the question Jesus is usually addressing in his parables, that's why the subjects in Jesus' stories often act in such unexpected ways. Because in the stories, they are representing the God who doesn't always act the way we expect him to when he comes into this, his world, to reestablish his reign through his son. So the stories Jesus tells are in no way meant to reinforce the status quo or endorse the way things are. They are meant to pull us up short, make us think, and then in some new way to bring to us the truth about how God reigns in the world through his Son. Jesus' aim in these short, simple, kind of folksy stories he tells are actually 
to paint for us rather large, startling pictures, snap us out of our complacency, awaken in us a great dissatisfaction with our old dreary lives, create in us a hunger for something better, and so move us into his kingdom. He tells one such story today. A fairly short one and an apparently simple one about a man who had two sons. He went to the first son and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the first son answered, I will not. But later regretted that and went. And he said to the second son the same. And he said, I go, sir. But he didn't. Then after telling the really quick parable, Jesus asks the establishment religious leaders to whom he told this story, which of the two sons did the will of his father? They said correctly, the first. And then Jesus said to them, the establishment religious leaders, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John the Baptist came to you in the way of righteousness, and you didn't believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw that, you did not afterward change your mind and believe him. So what does this mean exactly, and how does it move us? into Jesus' kingdom. Well, first we kind of have to see the difference between the two groups of people Jesus compares and contrasts in his story. The establishment religious leaders are the second son. They are the ones who say yes, but don't do anything. They are the big talkers. They are the outward do-gooders their lives abounding in the sort of good deeds that impress other human beings. But Jesus' point is that they talk a good game about following God and bringing others into his kingdom. But when John the Baptist came actually baptizing people into that kingdom, they opted out. They said no. They wouldn't confess their sins. They wouldn't admit to having any. They wouldn't say that they too needed to be saved. But they insisted that they had already worked their way into the kingdom of God, thank you very much. They had already found their heaven on earth in their good works and in their apparently upstanding lives. The tax collectors and the prostitutes, Jesus mentions, they are the first sons. They say nothing good, they do nothing good, their works stink to high heaven. But at least they know and acknowledge it, eventually. They don't imagine that their lives are anything great, and they're looking for something better. So when John the Baptist comes along preaching repentance, confession, forgiveness, a baptism that drowns the old you and raises up a new one, leaves the old life behind and starts a new one, by washing you all the way into the kingdom of Christ through the river, the tax collectors and the prostitutes jump on in, confessing their sin, 
looking for that kingdom of Christ in the river and believing John's promise that in baptism, that in Jesus, they have found it. The story Jesus tells this morning is really the story of entrance into God's kingdom. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as we Lutherans would say it. It's the story of how all the rotten sinners find the kingdom of Christ in the river with John. And how all the good people, the upstanding do-gooders, are left behind on the riverbank afraid to get wet, refusing to jump on in and be washed away into the kingdom of Christ because they can't bear to part with the dreary old lives they have made for themselves. But this is all yet just one more interesting story, Jesus tells, until we all find our place in this story by asking... Which son are you? Or which son do you want to be? We find out where we're headed, not by looking at what we are doing, but by looking at where baptism takes us. That's what shows us the way. Many of us were brought to holy baptism by parents or by somebody who found the kingdom of Christ in the river themselves and wanted their little children to find eternal life there too. And taken to the font, we were washed away into Christ's kingdom, made as little lamb, given a new name, and a home with him forever that nobody can take from us. In the river, we all find it. As little children seeking our true home, we find it. Confessing the dreariness of our old sinful lives, we find it. Looking for a better country, we find it. Not by our working, but through believing the gospel of Jesus John preached, we find it. Here, we find it. Or to put it better, here Jesus finds us. It is the most moving story in the world. Because it's a story that moves tired, weary sinners like you and me out of our old, dull lives to jump on into the kingdom of Christ where there's real life and there's real joy. It moves us to sacrifice things we might otherwise be doing on Sunday morning, to come and hear this story again. It moves us to part with some of the things God has given us, to give them back to Him to support the work of this kingdom of His. It moves us to do big and grand things like build buildings where people can come and hear this story told over and over and over again and find their place in it too. It is the story of Jesus, the river of his baptism, the feast of his body and blood, and it draws us in and it captivates and inspires us. Because in his feast, all our hunger is filled. In his story, all things are made new, all sins are washed away. And in his river, we are swept away all the way into the kingdom of Christ, all the way into the kingdom God is establishing in his son.
where the peace and the hope and the joy he brings guards hearts and minds in Christ Jesus always and forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.